in this next season is over the summer, we are going to be doing a new series. Next week will be the last week that we'll all be teaching in the book of Luke, at least for a while. And then two weeks from now, a friend of mine named Mike Foster is going to be here. Mike founded X Church, the number one Christian porn site, ironically, which helps people get out of porn addiction and helps uh, people get out of the industry who are working in the industry. Then he went on and founded an organization called... Uh, people of the second chance. So he'll be with us in two weeks. You want to be here for that. I will be here too, just introducing him uh, because he's my buddy. Uh, Then three weeks from now, we're going to start a new series called Heroes and Villains of the Bible. So we'll be talking about the different characters and how some of us oftentimes are both the hero and the villain. It will be very interesting. Uh, so you will want to be here. When you're in town, be here on Sundays. It's going to be great. I want to tell you up front that uh, you might notice me kind of not my cagey, kind of gazelle-like self up here on stage uh, because I'm injured. Injured bad. Not, no, I said not bad, but it's, it's like I had this bump on my leg, and uh, Hillary was like, we need to get that checked out. It could be a tumor. I'm like, it's not a tumor. And, and she said, we got to go. <laughs> We got to go in. So I went in and the doctor and they did the little scan. They're like, we don't know. We got to cut it out. And I was like, do what? So they like opened me up in the doctor's office. It wasn't even like to the operating room. It was like, clear the way. Here we go. We're diving in. And so they cut me open, stitched it all up, dissolvable stitches. So I don't have to go back. I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. I can handle it. But then it's in, you know, the lay, and I was just moving around too much, and the stitches pulled. So I've had a rough week of having to go back every day and have them, like, pack the wound and stuff. It's been nasty. So I'm not sitting very much, and uh, I'll just be up here. And I'm on a lot of pain meds, so uh, if I... And antibiotics. So if, if I say something crazy, don't send me an email. I'm just going to blame it on the wound. Uh, and so it doesn't matter. It's like Gladiator when he's being carried and his new African friend is like loading his shoulder wound up with the strange seeds from his teeth that he's putting in there. I'm basically like Gladiator is what I'm telling you right now. And so obviously uh, that, that's true. The World Cup is fun though, isn't it? I know I just wanted to give you a chance to cheer for the World Cup. Uh, because it is exciting, and the USA plays today like at 2.30, which is great, and they're doing well. The World Cup, I bring it up because it's, it's an interesting like global spectacle uh, where we have these teams from all these nations who might totally disagree about like everything in life, but for 90 minutes, we put that all aside, and we chase a little ball around a grassy field, you know? We, we, there, there's like nuclear drama on the line. There's like all this political unrest. There's all this pain. There's all this disagreement. But for these 90 minutes, we're going to walk out holding hands with kids and we're going to like give each other a flag and a gift bag and, and embrace and take pictures together. And in some way, the purity of it is in some small way, remind ourselves that we're all the same. And that when you take away all the complications and all the drama and all the wrongdoing, that at a fundamental level, we're just like everyone else. And so we're picking up today where we left off last week, where Jesus had just said, if you weren't here, you can listen to the podcast, it's online and on iTunes, where Jesus had said, do to others as you would have them do to you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Not do to others as they've done to you. Not not do to others as they deserve. Not do to others 
this way because they had it coming. Do to others as you would want done to you. In other words, you initiate. You make the change. You break the cycle. You be the one who brings a different way, a different culture, a different vibe to the environment. You be the one who stops this pattern and just extends love. You be the one who initiates and decides. But we all, we all know that this is easier said than done, and, and we don't like to have the light shown on us. We don't like to have the, the, the focus, the attention on us and what we may or may not be doing right. And we all have the friend who's the sarcastic friend that can find a way to turn any comment, any situation back on you. You say something and they're like, oh yeah, but da 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 and they put it right back on you and they deflect and they, they take that light and quickly before it can be on them, they shine it back on you and they point out like your little thing that you're doing wrong and the funny way that you walk and the thing that you're eating and the way that you're dressing and, and they just have a way of doing that. We all know those kinds of people, but we all do that in one way or another because the, the lens, we don't like it on us. We don't like the critical light being shown on us. I don't like it being put on me. And so our tendency is to deflect, to tip, to push, to, to, to put it on someone else and to evaluate their ways, their behaviors, the way that they talk, the way that they're doing their life, because I don't want the introspection. I don't want the view. I don't want the exposure on me. Today, I'm going to give you one little idea, one little virtual thing that you can do that I believe has the potential on a daily basis to change the way you view other people. I think this could be one of those messages that sticks with you and haunts you, but in a very good way. And we're going to continue in Luke chapter 6 with Jesus as he continues to challenge us in this eye-opening way of saying the way that you're living, the, w- the things that you're doing, the way you're viewing others is not right. Instead, I want you to do unto others as you would have them do to you. And then he goes on in verse 32, and do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Instead, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now, let's start with what Jesus is not saying in these verses. He's not saying, turn a blind eye. He's not saying there's no such thing as sin. Everyone can do what they want. He's not saying to ignore people who are in self-destructive patterns. He's not saying that you should never hold people accountable for anything. He's not saying that. Neither is he condemning college, universities, secondary education systems for the way that they admit students or not. He's not saying that everyone should just go to whatever college. You can't have any kind of criteria by which you accept students to your university. That would be judgmental, so everyone should go everywhere. He's not not saying that. Neither is he saying that 
that governments should not have any laws, that everyone should just be able to have free reign and do whatever they please. He's not saying that either. He's talking about a way of judgment. He's talking about a manner of judgment that's kind of a way of viewing people that leads to condemnation, that leads to unforgiveness. It's a way of viewing people that puts them at arm's length and categorizes them and allows you not to have to reconcile and not to have to be with and not to have to be like and not to have to engage and process and let go and forgive. That is what Jesus is saying. He doesn't want you to do. And you can see this if you look at your high school, right? I went to Claremont High School about an hour from here. And at Claremont High School, in the middle of the campus, there's this U-shaped concrete thing about waist high called the horseshoe. And the horseshoe is where all the cool seniors would hang out. And they would treat it like one giant ashtray. And, and they would hang out there, and they were the cool ones. And if you're like a sophomore or junior coming up, you would walk past wondering, am I going to hang at the horseshoe when I'm a senior? Am I, am I going to be able to break the barrier and to be in the horseshoe? And it was, like, it was like the most exciting thing if you were walking past and someone from the horseshoe knew your name and shouted, hey, Caleb, come over here for a second. And you're like, what? Okay. I, uh, you need anything? What? What time is practice? Oh, uh, uh, five. You know, and, and that, but the, the horseshoe was like the cool place to be. And, and, and the seniors that were the coolest were at the horseshoe. Now, there were quads. There were quads that were kind of in other places, kind of around the campus. That were, there were rectangular-shaped classrooms with a big opening, kind of open air in the middle. And the quads had their own little ecosystem of humanity. You would have in the center, you would have jocks that kind of stood in a circle and like would do jock things. And then you would have uh, uh, some uh, group of Asians would just hang with other Asian people in one corner of the quad. And then there were Hispanic guys that would hang over here, but not with the girls. The, the, the Hispanic girls hung by themselves over here, away from the Hispanic guys. And then just outside the quad were the nerds. And that's where they kind of gathered and did their thing. And I use that language intentionally because that's how we were taught to view it. And we didn't stop in high school. And we still view people through that high school lens in a lot of ways, subconsciously, and we don't even recognize it. And we still keep people in those categories. And even like in high school, when you went to, to round table pizza after a game and you saw the person from that group or that circle, you didn't know the person, you just knew that they belonged to that. And you lumped them into that. And there were people that had certain behaviors and they were marked by those behaviors. And you didn't know them except maybe their first name, but you knew where they stood in the quad. And so that made up your mind about who this person was and what they did and what they wouldn't or would be as far as you're concerned. We see the world through those kinds of lenses, many of which that we learned in high school. And they are judgmental and they are condemning. 
and they lead to lumping people into categories so that we don't have to engage or we don't have to forgive or we don't have to get to know. And Jesus is saying, that's the worldview that I'm talking about. I want that gone. Some of you know the pain of trying to break out of one of those categories and cross over to a different category in the quad, and you know the long walk of shame back from the horseshoe when they sent you away from the horseshoe back to where you came from, and you know the pain that it causes when you think, I am categorized, I have been put in that place and in that box, and yet we have a tendency to do that to other people. We're nicer now, we're more tolerant, we're more respectful, whatever. Maybe we don't say it out loud, but we still have these tendencies and the ways that we view people and look at others. Another way of saying it is this. Jesus would say, don't, don't condone unhealthy living. That's, what I, that's not what I'm saying. Don't condone unhealthy behavior. However, don't condemn the person and don't categorize them just for association or just for that behavior or just for that way that they're speaking. Now, we all have this view of the world, and we come by it honestly. We get it from our parents. We get it from uh, our grandparents. We get it from our circle of friends. We get it from the media. We get it from past experiences that are real and past pain that we've, that we've gone through and fears and insecurities that we have that cause us to want to resist relating or cause us to want to not extend forgiveness and grace because of the way they are. And there's a, few, there's a few words that help kind of identify this judgmental attitude that Jesus is talking about. The first one is just self-righteousness. It's a way of putting ourselves above this person. It's a way that says it goes beyond the action or behavior, and it says because of that, I am better than this person. Jesus is saying, don't be judgmental. Don't judge like that. Don't place yourself above someone else. Yeah, but they, I don't care. That's self-righteous. Another word is unaware. Unaware of the realities of the world. So it's like Uncle Bob at Thanksgiving who always says the inappropriate thing and everyone just kind of rolls their eyes because it's Uncle Bob and he's old and he's not going to change anyway. But we all have those Uncle Bob things in our own souls. We all, we all have that. We all have the judgmental frame that we see. That we're, Uncle Bob just says it out loud. But we see the world in messed up ways. And then the last word would be insensitivity, not realizing that what we say and what we do matters. The way you think, the way you view things, the way you think about those other people, it matters. People are watching you and following you and learning from you. There's a story of a man who had two kids, and they stepped onto the tube, the subway in London, and they got on the tube, and, and the man sat down, and he just looked at his feet, and his two kids, they were at the end of the tube, and they started just kind of running around and creating havoc. They were loud. They were obnoxious. They were fighting with each other. They were throwing toys. They were knocking over purses on the, on the ground. They were jumping on the seat, jumping off the seat. They were swinging around the, the bar, the pole. And one woman who was close to them on the subway scooted over a seat just to kind of get away, but the subway was kind of packed, and so she couldn't 
go far. She looked at the guy when he clearly didn't have his kids under control and just scowled at him, but he didn't see it because he was just looking down at his feet. She tries to ignore the kids for a few more minutes, but it's just too much. They are just too crazy. And she looks at the guy and just glares at him, and he's not looking up, so she has to say something, and she says, Sir, can you please control your children? And it kind of startles him into reality, and he's looking up, and he reaches for his kids, and he starts to kind of bring them closer to him, and he says, I'm sorry, ma'am. We've just come from their mother's funeral, and I just don't have the strength today. And we just don't know where people are coming from. We don't know where they have been. We don't know what has led them to this moment when they acted that way. We don't know what their journey has been like. We don't know what they've been through that caused that behavior or that makes them want to associate with those people. You don't know. You don't know what's gotten them here. You can make a determination about what's right or wrong or healthy or unhealthy behavior, but you cannot judge why the person is acting that way. You can decide if the language that they're using is promoting life or promoting death, but you can't judge what has happened to them that causes them to use that kind of language. Nor can you condemn them. You can confront them in a loving way, but you can't categorize them and make them feel less than you. You can, you can lovingly and gently point them on and show them that the path that they're on is leading towards self-destruction, but you can't bring final judgment down on their head. Remember this. Everyone has a story. And if you had walked in their shoes, you might be doing the very same things that they're doing. You probably would be. If you had grown up the way she grew up, why wouldn't you behave like she's behaving? If you had had those kind of lies spoken into you in your formative years, why would you believe anything differently now? If you had been abused and abandoned the way he had been, why wouldn't you be a punk today? Everyone has a story. So when Jesus tells us, don't judge or you will be judged. Don't condemn or you will be condemned. Instead, be quick to forgive because you don't know where they've just come from. You don't know the pain that they've experienced. And I, God would say, have extended you forgiveness. So you extend forgiveness to them. There's a uh, Bible study note that I want to share with you. If you're reading your Bibles or when you're reading your Bibles, um, you can look at verses in different ways. You can look at this verse and you can read it. This is what I typically do. I'll read a verse and I'll sit with it and I'll just sit and, God, is there anything that you're saying to me through this verse? Then I'll read it again and I'll think differently and I'll just say, God, what is it that you might have? And then I'll read it, but this next time I read it, I will emphasize a different word to see if something new jumps off the page at me. 
So I'll read it, and instead of emphasizing the first word, I'll emphasize the next word. And then I'll read it, and I'll emphasize the next word and see if God speaks to me in that way. It's a way to make verses kind of pop and see if God wants to speak to you in a different way than maybe the last time you read this verse. I'll give you a practical example. If I came in here and I said, Jeff, Jeff, you look good today, right? That says, that communicates one thing. If I said, Jeff, you look good today, (laughs) Jeff is thinking, do I not look good most of the time? I mean, what are you trying to say here? So sometimes the accent, the, 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 the focus on the word might make it stand out in a different kind of way. So let's look. Jeanette, if you throw that verse back up there again, we're going to put the emphasis on a word and see if God says something differently in this moment. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. This is a shift. It's a focus shift from outward to inward, saying that God has something to say to you, that actually you don't want his judgment. You don't want him to condemn you. Instead, you want his forgiveness, So you extend forgiveness. You pay attention. God is saying this to you. There was someone who sat in the back uh, for months. She still might, but she came to me not too long ago, and she said something to the effect of, "I, I had been sitting in the back for months, coming on Sunday mornings and sitting in the back, And I had been coming because I felt good when I was here. The people were friendly. I liked some of the things that you said. It felt like this got my week off to a good start. But that was about it. And then she said, something happened. Something was said or something. God just did something in me. And all of a sudden, one particular Sunday, I went from someone who was a spectator appreciating what was happening to someone who realized that this stuff was about me. That you weren't just talking to the super Christians, that you weren't just talking to the people who were like really into Jesus, but that you were actually talking to me, and that God's word and the things that he says he's saying to me, and that he forgives me, and that he has a plan for me, and that I get to participate in what he's doing in the world. And she said, that has changed everything. Sometimes a little tweak on how you're reading a verse puts things in a different light and you begin to see, no, 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 no. This is not just about them. It's about you. And here's another invitation from God. He says, I want you to shift the focus from being stingy to being generous. The next verse, 38, says this, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure with which you use, it will be measured to you. Now, in this day... What, what Jesus is referring to is that they would be, there would be people who would sell grain. So there'd be grain vendors, and you would go to the grain vendor place, and you would have a, a bucket, and they would fill your bucket up. But what they would do is they would fill your bucket, and a good, generous vendor would, at about two-thirds of the way up, he would take the bucket, and he would shake it. Why? What does that do? 
It makes the grain settle. So it settles in, and then he can pour more. A shady vineyard would just kind of like pour it and get it to, you know, that's, that's good enough, and here you go, on your way. But the generous vendor would let it settle and just pour it on till it was full and packed to the top. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be that kind of generous person because I am that generous with you. What kind of a measure are you using to extend grace and generosity and forgiveness to other people? A thimble? Because God will be like, hey, give me that. A thimble, by the way, for you guys is like what women, you, some people use to sew. Not just women. I know guys who sew. Uh, uh, but it's this small thing. Covers your thumb. So a thimble? Are you using a thimble? To, that, is that the measure of which you're using? Because God says, give me that thimble. I'll, I'll use that to bless you. And you're like, oh, hold up. Okay, uh, let, me, let me get this shovel out. I, I, I'm, I'm generous to the, to the shovel capacity now. And God's like, cool, give me that shovel. I'm going to be shovel generous with you. And you're like, um, second thought, I'm going to go get this five-gallon drum, and I'm going to be this guy now. And God's like, that's what I'm talking about, because I'll be that generous to you. With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Once in a while, I go to Chipotle. Uh, Sometimes multiple times a day. And uh, so this Chipotle over here that I, that I go to um, most of the time, uh, I, I once in a while order chips and guacamole. Not every time because I'm cutting back. Um, but, but when I order the chips and guacamole, I pay attention to who the guacamole girl is that day. <laughs> because there are stingy guacamole girls and there are generous guacamole girls. <laughs> There's the guacamole girl that takes the spoon and takes the cup and just does one of these and lumps the guacamole in there and then immediately takes the cap, covers it up, and throws it in my brown bag. That's the stingy guacamole girl. The generous guacamole girl, when I know that she's there and I'm thinking, I'm ordering guacamole today, she takes the cup, she takes the spoon, she spoons the guacamole in, and then she presses it down. And gets all the air out of that little cup. And then she takes another scoop and throws that on top. And then just scrapes the top off the edge just so that the cap can sort of get onto it. And then she puts it just straight into my hand, not even the bag. And I'm like, you're, that's right. You're the guacamole girl. I want my guacamole overflowing. I don't know about you. But that stuff is magic. And I want my grace overflowing too. I want God to be so generous with me because I need it. I believe that Jesus' way is the right way, that following him leads to life and everything else leads to death. And yet I still seem on a daily basis to choose something that leads to death. And I need him to be generous with his grace and forgiveness because I screw up all the time. And I want him to just pour it out on me. And so if I take Jesus seriously, that means that I need to be the kind of person who is generous with grace to other people. That is what Jesus is talking about. And if you're someone who's here and you're not convinced that you're really in that much need, and if I knew what that person had really done, I wouldn't expect you to be that generous. I wouldn't expect you to forgive them or whatever. Then you still don't yet know how much God loves you, 
how much grace he's given you, how great you actually have it. And neither did these people who Jesus was talking to. He continues his, his uh, sermon in verse 39. He says this. He says, he also said to them this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Or will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. He's talking about the Pharisees here. He's talking about the teachers of the law. And he's saying they're blind. The people who are helping you kind of figure out your worldview and the way you look at things and the way you categorize people and the way you withhold blessing and hold people at arm's length, those people that are teaching you that are actually blind. If you follow them, you'll all fall into a ditch. You're all going to find your way into destruction. Instead, Jesus says, follow me. John 3, 17, for God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. He did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That Jesus was perfect, literally perfect, lived a sin-free life and does not condemn you. In fact, he was the answer. He came and died on a cross so that you would not be judged. He paid the penalty for anything wrong that you have ever done. And so he's saying, I have not even judged you. I have not even condemned you. I have made you acceptable. I have made you clean. You are forgiven. There is grace for you. So have grace. Follow in Jesus' way. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward things, but the Lord looks at the heart. He sees the story. He sees the need for grace and forgiveness. So we can go from being people who look and find fault to people who see as God sees Jesus finishes his sermon that day with this final funny illustration. He says in verse 41, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? He was, he was being funny in this moment. He's saying, you're looking at this little speck and you've got a log. He probably like picked up a log and said, you've got a log this big in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the while you fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Have you ever thought that you saw something, but it was really not real? I, I had, this is not even that long ago, I was like swatting at a phantom fly um, because I had something on my eyelash. We project out there what's actually our issue. If you have like a protein floater on your eye or something like that, you, you project out there what you think that you see but it's actually your own. It's actually your own stuff. 
And we are so quick as just humans to find fault with other people and not pay attention to the fact that maybe we're just projecting our own issues or maybe it's totally legitimate. And yet God is saying, first, consider yourself. We don't always see things right. When Hillary and I were recently, were newly married, we were living in this kind of like loft condo thing. And so our bed was over here and it was kind of a long ways to the bathroom. And it was the middle of the night and I was, you know, kind of a young guy, but still sometimes wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. Okay, fine, leave me alone. And so I got up and, <laughs> and, I, and I walked to the bathroom and, and I'm just in there minding my own business, doing my own business. And all of a sudden there's like these footsteps that are coming my way and I'm thinking this should be interesting. And Hillary gets like right up next to me before she sees that I'm there. And then she is so startled. She screams, ah, and then bops me on the head with both hands. <laughs> As if I was an intruder on the toilet and this was going to do something. And then I'm like, what the, I'm still like trying to stay in like as much sleep mode as possible to ease the transition back in, you know what I'm saying? That's out the window. She's just smacked me on the head and then she got mad at me. It was my fault somehow that I needed to like declare that I was using the restroom or something like that. We think that we see things and it's not what we think it is. But our human tendency is to react and in our fear or insecurity or whatever it else it is, make it the other person's fault. The other person must have the issue. What I want to do is leave you with a simple illustration today, and it involves these glasses. This is why I wore these glasses. I want you to consider any time you put on glasses to recognize that on your own, you don't see things right. That you've grown up in a certain way with certain things and certain ways of being, th- and, and you don't see things the right way. We tend to categorize, we judge, we tend to condemn. And when you put on glasses, will you just say to yourself every time, God, give me your eyes to see. On my own, I don't see things the right way. These are John's sunglasses. Thanks, John. I don't see things the right way, God. When I, when I put on glasses, God, Remind me, I want to see the way you see. I don't want to see this person's weaknesses and failures and insecurities. I don't want to just put the spotlight on other people's faults. That's not who I want to be. When I put on glasses, God, remind me that I want your eyes. I want to see the story. I want to see where they've come from. And I want to see the way you see me so that I can be that generous with grace and with forgiveness. I want you, I want us to routinely put on golden rule glasses and remind ourselves to treat other people the way we ourselves want to be treated. Choose to see others as you would have them see you. Choose to see the person as God sees them. Choose to be the one who breaks the cycle and the pattern. Choose to be the one who is generous with grace. And have full confidence that your heavenly Father has been generous with you. God, we thank you for your generosity. We thank you for your love. We thank you, God, that you do not judge us. You have not condemned us. 
Instead, you have forgiven us. You give us grace. In fact, when we trust your son, Jesus, you cleanse us of everything, everything that would be sin. And when you look at us, you just see Jesus. Would you give us eyes to see others in that same generous light? In Jesus' name.